0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm Alan Moore, welcoming you to Gaelic Games Europe's weekly podcast, This Sunday's Game. A very warm welcome to the first of a two-part special on the GAA World Games. It is one year to the day since the final whistle blew on the 2019 event in Crow Park, We are going to speak soon with Pat Daly. He, of course, is the mastermind behind the event. We're going to get his view on just how important world games are to grow Getty games around the world. And, of course, what is well-being and his remarkable success within the framework of the Kazan Action Plan. Now, we're going to forego the usual news roundup on the show, and instead we're going to speak with those who played for regions and teams representing GGE. We'll have two before the Pat Daily interview and two after. So stay tuned right to the very, very end. We're going to go immediately to Spain to speak with Olly Garcia, who, of course, played with team Iberian Native Ladies. Oleida Garcia, did I say your name correctly? Yeah. OK, <laughs> that's a good <laughs> thing. <laughs> OK, at least we have got a good start. Listen, um, First of all, you're playing. Uh, you're from Coruña. You're playing with uh, Filius de Brugan. Did I say that correctly?
1: Uh, I play in Filius de Brugan, a Coruña.
0: What is the difference between World Games and other tournaments?
1: Okay, um, in Galicia uh, we have a regular tournament, uh, which is a league, uh, and we play a match almost every weekend. But we could compare this competition uh, with the Iberia tournament. Uh, we, uh, we have to play several mates, including knockout, in order to win the throw. Uh, the main problem is that we have uh, to look for accommodation, uh, transport, and other facilities uh, ourselves. Uh, winning the World Games, DG helps with that. Uh, they even give you some money support which is a uh, very helpful
0: if you could change something about the world games what would you change
1: one thing i uh, would change is the game scalable uh, some things uh, you have to wait too much uh, time to play it is better to play one or two games a day and rest uh, until the next day it is the best way to uh, but in injuries
0: oh for injuries for injuries yes okay to get yes, it... injuries. yes. good point good point Sorry. Sorry. no didn't listen no i understand and finally how important are the world games for gaa and for gge
1: i think uh, they should be important because uh, at the gaa uh, slogan uh, we all belong everybody uh, can feel the sport, and you don't uh, need be Irish for that. Uh, World Games uh, let people uh, know that this sport is not only playing Ireland. Uh, besides, it is an inclusive sport uh, where everybody can play, and competition and competition, sorry, is not the most important value.
0: One little question. In the world games will be again in two years. Will you go back? Yes. Okay.
1: Of course, yes, of
0: course. (laughs)
1: For me, play the World Games is awesome. It's awesome. Awesome.
0: So good. (laughs) Ollie, thank you very, very much.
1: Thank you. (laughs) I'm sorry for my English. I'm very, very bad. Sorry.
0: Thank you. Next up we have Matthew Gok, who of course played for Western Europe in the World Games last year. He's also a member of Strasbourg Gales. Matthew, you're very welcome. Welcome, Alan. Uh, listen, I'm going to start off and say that not only are you a good guy, a good footballer, a good hurler as well, but you're also uh, the person who keeps all our IT business in line with Games Europe because you are our IT officer, correct? Yes,
2: it's, yes. I work a lot, like uh, with Ben and you to make all the things
0: works well for the GGE. Exactly. And you, you, you save me more often than not. So uh, I hugely appreciate that. Um, okay. So we're going to, to speak about the World Games because uh, we're going to speak together another time, of course, about uh, our work within GGE. So listen, tell me, um, what was the standout moment for you at the World Games last year?
2: It was a wonderful week in general. It was really like a really cool week and like the evening with the partnership club like it was annoying for us it was really a nice moment it's really like really like one of the part of the event who is more social and it gives the possibility to see the it gives us the possibility to see the history of the club like because we are in like a part of the Waterford where they play I uh, speak only Gaelic it was really nice to <coughs> see them uh, speaking Gaelic, but after from the field, <coughs> any victory it's really good. Like it's give pleasure during the moment. We have two victories uh, during the tournament. It's really like um, all the week was really nice in the moment, well
0: organized by the GEA. What club did you go to? What was your partner club? Anrin. On ring, okay, perfect. In the Grail Doctor, of course. Okay, you, you've played Gaelic football for a long time. So, listen, how did the World Games compare to tournaments in uh, Europe, for example?
2: So, a regular tournament, I would say we have four or five game during one day. And, like, for us, team, like, we played seven day in four days. So, when you say this, I think, yes, it would be easier. But, like, because you play nine aside on a football, uh, pitch and like every day you need to wake up and like uh, like during four day you need to wake up make a game at the end of the competition at the third day of the fourth day it's really hard and like really need to be really fit to be there it's like more harder than a regular tournament it's not like on one day you need to be fit need to be fit for
0: four day four or five day Listen, if you could change anything about the World Games, what would it be?
2: Like, like I say, you need to be really fit for the, uh, for the World Games. So I will change my physical preparation to be like more ready. So make another and sooner to be more competitive. But in another way, I will say I will like maybe more enjoy the event to be less focused on the competition and more on the social aspect. It's like the two things need to be like, you need to be more fitter, but I think if you are more fitter, you can more like enjoy the event.
0: And How important should the World Games be for both the GAA and Gaelic Games Europe?
2: For the GAA, it will be always less important than the Irish competition. If we compare this, but they need to do it. Because if they never bring like the international unit and bring something to the international unit, you lose something. But no, for me, it's not the importance of the world game. It's like what they want to do with. Like, they want a social event, bring teams that they, from the international unit that they play together. If they discuss about the game, they want a real competition with the real value of the trophy. And I think some county you know, like, New York, London, and Middle East want this, want a real competition where they can bring the best team and to be in the best condition to win a competition. This is for the GEA, the question. And depending on this answer from the GEA with this question, the GEA need to answer quickly. And if they want to be a social uh, tournament, and event, we can continue what we do. We need to invest like uh, time and money on the event to show that we support this type of event. But if the GEA won't say like, no, it's a real competition with a real value. We need really to invest on like two teams per code who want to win the world game. Send us best player to to win the competition. It can be France and Galicia for like native if you are not ready for the next world game. But at one moment we need to be ready if this is the way that we want to do like make a real competition with a real
0: value that's a good point because we did see that you know australia the australasia the their ladies native ladies came with a video analyst and so on and so forth and new york had their fitness trainer and nutritionist so yeah i can catch on that matthew matthew listen thank you so so much for that and uh, look forward to seeing you again very soon on the field
2: okay see you alan
0: Okay so this is our World Games themed podcast on this Sunday's game and I am delighted and honoured to have on with us today the uh, Director of Organisational Culture Planning and now I, I, he'll have to say the full thing himself but it's Pat Daly. Pat thank you so much for coming on with us. Thank you very much for having me Alan. So Pat listen what is your full title because I said the false teeth are, are popping out on me so I can't say it correctly.
3: Yeah, it's a bit of a mouthful, Alan, um, so your brain could pop out. Uh, Never mind your thoughts, Steve. Uh, it's Do CPD, it's Director of Organizational Culture, Planning and Development. And um, it basically means being clear about who we are, what we do, and why we do it,
0: in okay. simple terms. Got to, before we speak at the World Games, who are we?
3: Yeah, well, I, uh, before, we, before we get to who are we, uh, I think the fundamental question is why we exist. In three words, why we, not you and me, but why, why the J exists, why we exist as an organization. And it's absolutely essential to be clear on that. That's what people call the mission. This can get full of a gobbledygook as well, but you have to be clear about why you exist. That's your mission. And then how you operate is your vision, which has to talk to the mission and what we validate or what we measure uh, in terms of um, what comes from the mission and vision. And in my opinion we should be measuring well because fundamentally that's what we should be contributing to as a community-based organization, uh, catering for the masses and uh, facilitating community development and well-being is at the, the epicenter of community development. So. It's all about clarity, being clear about who we are, how we operate, and what we've done it.
0: it is important, of course, we, we've seen this with the, the this time of uh, the pandemic, community started to become very, very important, and the GAA did play a very strong role in that community, like as, as much or maybe more so than the other um, sports organisations. Are you impressed or are you pleased with how the GAA has reacted in this time of crisis?
3: Look, it's it, it's nothing less or nothing more than I would have anticipated, Alan. This is what the G is and
0: maybe in recent times we've
3: lost our way and we've, we've got consumed with the inter county game and, and elitism, and uh, we've got taken up with that. But ultimately, we're a community-based organization. That's what differentiates us from everybody else. That's why we're unique, and that's where we can make a vital contribution. Uh, if we want to become a, a semi-professional or professional sports organisation, there's plenty of those and we see what goes with that territory. And that's not what—that's not the space we are meant to inhabit. We're in the community space and we're all about the development.
0: I'm going to start off with the, the question about the World Games. As you know, uh, GGE was the, well, the, the, had the most representation there and I think had the most fun there as well. We absolutely loved it and everyone I've spoken with in the last couple of days, interviewed them for this uh, show, You know, there was only positive emotions, only love expressed towards it. How did you come up with the idea and did did it happen as you envisaged, just last year alone?
3: Look, originally the idea was to provide an opportunity for the different journeys all over the world to come together and meet and greet, have voice and choice, have a good time and have a good experience, have a positive experience, because what's going in, but the work that's been done in Waddle J is phenomenal, and it very much speaks to the core values of the association. That's not always necessarily the case, but it's very definitely the case on the Waddle J frontier. So it was an opportunity to come, for people to come in and, and meet each other. Now, there were people who had ideas that this might become a quasi-Waddle Cup, a kind of a J Jay Waddle Cup. Well, it was never intended to be that. And I suppose... We were finding our way as we went along, and there has to be a consultative process. And some units sent representative teams, and Europe, thank God, had a more indicted outlook. They said anybody that wants to go can go. And that's very much the spirit of the operation. And then we had the native bomb and the Irish bombs to try to accommodate as many teams as we can. But at the end of the day, people in Waterford didn't know what the water games were. And that's understandable, because it's only the third iteration of the event And I think in their their minds they kind of perceived what we call some type of event like that. But they were absolutely blown away with what they saw in Waterford because there was a spirit of fun, camaraderie, competitiveness, everything you'd want from sport, and everything that's good about sport was there. And we didn't have any of the excesses. And so that sense of community, that sense of we, and that sense of togetherness, like yourself, if you were there from Russia, with people from Argentina, with them from South Africa, all over the world. But everybody was together. We are on the one road, so to speak. So that was a wonderful spirit. And that was something you can generate or you can fabricate. It's not artificial. It's either there or it's not there.
0: yourself, in Russia, we had a, a slew of injuries. The Team Iberia said, we'll join in. We'll help you. We'll make sure you can feel the team. There was a lot of that, which was something that goes back to the part of what I know as the GAA, where you see one team, they don't have enough players to fill a team, so you, you split the teams and play a match. The most important thing is to play. What would you do different next time out in
3: 2022, Pat? Yeah, look, I, 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 I would encourage more units to adopt the approach that Europe adopted and not get hung up on representation uh, uh, country representation or state representation. If a club wants to come, let it come. Or if a mix of people from different clubs want to come, let them come. Let them share in the experience. Let them enjoy themselves. That's what it's about. And, and uh, as we said there, it's not the medals, it's the memories that, mer- that matter most. And any of the people that were in Waterford and Crown Pamp went home with tremendous memories. And that ultimately is what the thing is about. And that sense of Togetherness, oneness, connection, and that you're part of a bigger organization, you can be a fundamental part of it, and it's not necessarily about the winners. Okay, people will want to win, but so what I would what I would encourage you to do is look at it objectively, look at it from a big picture perspective, and say, how can our people benefit as people as distinct from winning competitions if they go to the water game?
0: Waterford as a as a venue. I mean, I I know Waterford since childhood and it was always going to be good. Were you, number one, surprised by the, the positive reaction from the people in Waterford and number two, by the positive reaction from those of us who were there?
3: Yeah, well I suppose I'm from Waterford, Alan, so I'd, I'd have an insight into the place and Waterford is a unique place because we were in the city and Waterford extends up about 50 miles up to the Cork border. and, and I suppose the people at the, at the outset didn't really know what these Water Games were. But when they came and when they saw the spirit that was there, and more importantly, when we sent the clubs out to twin with the Waterford clubs, they said, My god, this is unique, this is different, this is tremendous. And you know, when the chairman of the general holding club went to my own club up under the Barber in Tallow and started speaking in Irish, uh, it was just incredible. They couldn't believe this, and, and that was that gives you a sense of the uniqueness of the event more than anything else. So, the Waterford people. You know, after the twinning night on the Tuesday there was a, a huge influx of people on the Wednesday because people suddenly got a sense of this is different, this is unique, this is wonderful. So they, they appeared in the, in masses and, and people I would have known for a long time and, and highly respect came to me and said, That was as good a week sport as we've ever seen And, you know, they were intrigued to see people from all over the world, south Africans, Argentinians, yourselves from the fourth point in Europe. And that was the unique thing about it. Americans, Canadians, you know, there was a wonderful mix of people. And I can't say we had one incident that
0: you would be unhappy with. Um, the standard of hurling, were the water people impressed by what was on display? Or did you think, oh my God, we're watching something from over the border in Westford?
3: You know, most people, not necessarily Waterford people, but Irish people are generally just taken aback at the standard of the play. And I, holding, obviously is something that will captivate the Irish imagination. But when they see Germans playing hulling, you kind of, uh, you know, it's it's always when we kind of keep it and we look in. But suddenly it's something to be shared. It should be shared. And apart from the Shinty in Scotland, that really doesn't take place. Hurling isn't perceived to be an international game. And then they come and they see the South Africans playing the Gaelic football, and they see the way they go about it, and they see the Argentinians and easy draw the Hurling Cup from. Buenos Aires and they see the way they go about it, and they bring their own unique culture to it as well. They don't necessarily stick to the coaching book, and that's wonderful because they express themselves, they express their culture through the game, and that's what the what it's about. But the standard, the standard, like you look at the Galicians, you look at the Liberians and the French, and it's the commitment and and, and the respect and the trustworthiness uh, that we don't always uh, get at home, but. Every it has everything. It has everything that's good in sport without uh eulogizing about it. Yeah, you know, it's a great event and it's something it's something we should be building on, but more importantly, it's all about people and it's all about the development of the person. Well being is at the center of the whole thing. And uh, well being is a much abused term. Lots of people talk about it, but not too many people know what it is. But it's making people feel better about themselves and getting them to take responsibility for their own decisions and choices. Is
0: 2022 planned to go ahead, and will it go ahead? We're all fingers crossed that it'll be in Waterford again.
3: Yeah, but if it goes ahead, it will be in Walford then. Uh, I, I don't anticipate uh, any change in that. Could it be 2023 to tie in with the uh, with the centenary of the Games, possibly? It's hard, to, it's hard to know how this, this COVID thing, when, when, um, when it's going to be resolved, when they're going to have a vaccine, uh, and what the implications of that are. You know, if it, if it had to be felt for a year, I wouldn't be unduly worried. Uh, the most important thing is that people are safe, they feel comfortable coming, uh, and that, um, you know, you wouldn't have any untoward uh, outcomes. And that's very much the spirit of what we're trying to do. So I think, yeah, very definitely, fingers crossed for 2022. Not the end of the world if we have to go to 2023. Tied in with the Talfin Games and some other centenaries that are happening. uh, uh, You know, commemorations of things that happened 100 years ago. But the future looks good. It looks positive. And that's thanks to people like yourself and the outstanding work you're doing on the
0: ground. Well, from you, that's a huge compliment, I'll be smiling all day with that. Thank you. And I want to, to round off uh, by speaking a bit about well-being, but also about the Kazan Action Plan, because was, Kazan is just down the road for me here in Moscow, which is a World Cup city. It's the capital of Tatarstan. Uh, most people in Ireland don't even understand what that is, um, what Tatarstan is. Can you tell us, first of all, about the Kazan Action Plan?
3: Well... A group of uh, a group of European ministers for sport came together in Kazan, and basically uh, they came up with what was known as the Kazan Action Plan for Sport. And I don't know if your listeners are acquainted with UNESCO's 17 Sustainable Development Goals. They're the kind of goals to save the world. And there's 17 of them, starting with no poverty goal number one, zero hunger number two, good health and well-being number three, and quality education and lifelong learning number four. And three and four are interesting because we've taken the W E from Wellby and we've taken DLL from lifelong learning and we didn't talk about it are you going well? And what well is unique as they see it down in water, it's a unique term. Well it's unique water term. So uh, going well going well is you know, there's a more profound depth to it. So you're you basically there's a strong sense of we in your life and you're learning from and with each other, which is how we all learn from each other. But more importantly, it ties back to UNESCO 17 Sustainable Development Goals, And that's the important thing, because if we're not careful, the planet may may just unhinge and uh, the World Games may be the least of our worries uh, if, if things like climate change and global warming continue. So, you know, there needs to be a consciousness that we live on a planet and we must live in congruence with nature we can't we can't keep disrupting it and maybe the pandemic is 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 a sign or a signal look glad like you're gone too far too far east and you're heading west uh, so you need to get a better balance back into things so that's really what the Kazan action plan is speaking to unesco 17 sustainable development goals but i believe the person and the person's well-being is at the center of the thing.
0: tell us about success of the project because it, uh, it was it was recognized at the highest level.
3: Yeah, well, Fiona Chambers is, is, is a Falsing individual uh, down in UCC and she got a number of people together and she said, look, we have to do something on the back of COVID-19 in a post-COVID context in terms of getting people back into sport and back engaged in physical activity. Notwithstanding the fact that I have seen increased physical activity as a result of COVID-19, I've seen more people walking, I've seen more people cycling, but you know the, the game side of things. So basically, it was her idea and they got an international number of judges drawn from all over the world and they organized this competition around promoting ideas, uh, global design composition, as they called it, uh, promoting ideas in that space. So there was 188 entries and uh, I'm delighted to say that going well came on top. So it's all about you know, how we're going to promote well-being and being clear about well-being is and ensuring that participation in sport drives well-being. Uh, and, uh, you know, to to see off 187 interests from all over the world was phenomenal achievement. But that's only the start. The next step is, is making it happen, Alan. And, uh, again, I think that the way I would all to do that is there because the people are on the ground and the people on the in, in, in the international J are probably best positioned to do this because they're already doing it.
0: But, Daily, thank you so so much for your time today. Um, I just you know the, I, 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 the gratitude that we have in Europe. Uh, me personally, I say yeah, huge you know huge amount of gratitude. That I, I I can never pay it back to you, but just thank you so much for keeping a hand on the tiller and making sure that we we don't start heading off in the wrong direction. How, thank us for thank you for guiding us.
3: It's my pleasure, Alan, and uh, it's a pleasure to be involved with all of the people involved and for doing such great work on behalf of uh, our wonderful organisation.
0: Thank you, Pat. So continuing our look back on last year's Waterford Extravaganza, I'm joined by the European Eagles, Wenjing Zhuang, who of course plays her club football with Copenhagen. Good afternoon, Wenjing.
4: Hi, Alan. How's it going?
0: Very good indeed. Listen, great to hear from you. So I'm going to run through the questions very, very quickly and easily for you because I know you're going to be dashing off to the beach to enjoy some warm Danish weather quite soon. (laughs) So, um, listen, how did the World Games compare to regular tournaments in GGE?
4: Oh, God, tell you what. um, It was a completely different scale of everything. You know, huge tournaments, huge fields, proper fields, properly marked fields, and the referees were amazing. And just the logistics behind it all. It was like um, playing football, but just on a huge, huge, much bigger scale. Lots of fun, definitely. But listen,
0: with that, with the whole process leading up to it and the World Games themselves, if you could change, say, just anything, what would it be?
4: I reckon it would be really good if uh, the teams would have played a bit together beforehand. I mean, we had one tournament uh, with our team where we all got together and played, but um, since we all lived in different places, like uh, Amsterdam, uh, Copenhagen and... uh, I think Berlin, it was just really hard to get together and and, and learn how each other played because we've been competitors, but we'd never actually played together. So that was actually really quite difficult to get past. For you,
0: what was the standout moment of the tournament?
4: Oh, let's see. I'm going to go for a good one and a less good one. So the good one was just playing all the different teams around the world and just talking to them and finding out where they came from, watching the South African team dance around. And I'll say the less good standout moment was I got, elbowed in the face by one of the New York girls but you know they they ultimately won the the ladies tournament so you know can't complain I got elbowed by a winner
0: (laughs) okay there is some pride to be taken on that um (laughs) and finally um how important should the world games be for the GAA and of course GGE
4: yeah. So I, I mean, I reckon for the GAA, it's the way that they're going to spread the sports all around uh, the world. I mean, it was just so fantastic. I didn't think it would happen. You see teams from Asia, from South Africa, from the U S Canada and Australia, of course. Um, I think it's the way that they build relationships and just, uh, learn about other people and how they play the Gaelic sports around the world. And for Gigi, it's kind of good for us because as hard as it was to be teammates with our former competitors, you know, now I, I, if I have any questions, I have no problems in getting in touch with all my teammates or uh, if they don't know the answer, they can put me in touch with anyone else. So it's just great to know people through, you know, throughout the European GAA circuit.
0: Um, with that experience, um, what do you think in GGE we can take from the World Games to improve our own tournaments? Apart from getting proper fields for ladies' football and marking them correctly, as well, I think
4: it's just the professional experience. You know, often we don't have the facilities or the the the, the space or the expertise and logistics in planning these things. We do the best we can, but I mean, most of the municipalities and different countries around Europe don't really recognise it as a sport, so being able to play in facilities where everything was ready to go and people understood what you were doing. But what can we take? Oh, I reckon we could have closer liaison with uh, GAA, LGFA and the Camogie Association and just uh, see whether they can put funding or some other support coaching development towards us maybe.
0: That's perfect. Listen, Benji, thank you so much. Enjoy your Friday afternoon and I look forward to seeing you on the field very, very soon.
4: No worries. Take care in Moscow, then.
0: Okay, and last but not least, we have a member of Team Russia, Anna Borisova. Anna, you're very welcome to this Sunday's game.
4: Hello,
5: Alan. Nice to hear you.
0: Uh, Anna, listen, how did the World Games compare to other events that you've been involved with?
5: Well, I can say that everything was different. The scale, the atmosphere, the number of different events and people... Well, especially the hospitality of Irish people was so incredible. The level of pressure, of course, was high, much higher. But at the same time, I remember this World Games as a wonderful time and beautiful place with so fresh air, nice speeches and unforgettable music. So comparing to regular tournaments, it was something I will
0: never forget. Um, if you could change anything about the World Games, either for yourself or for the build look to it, or the World Games themselves, what would you suggest? That-
5: oh, I would change uh, the amount of time we spend in Ireland. That was great. I would change the number of trainings before the Games. Um, I think it's important that we had quite a few, so I wish we played more Games before the World Games. And, of course, I wish I was prepared better, both physically and mentally.
0: From your time in Ireland, what was the most outstanding moment for you?
5: The parade is one of them. We were excited. For many of us, it was for the first time. We went shouting, Russia, Russia. We were the first team from Russia on World Games. Uh, The other moment, of course, is my goal. It was a very important goal for me. Uh, it would be worse if I did the mistake. I remember how much energy it took from the players of my team to bring this uh, ball to me. So I just had to kick it into the right place. I remember Laura, our captain, punching the ball. And the next moment, when the ball is already in the goal, I never could remember the exact moment. I was just happy after. And the last moment, I remember... Oh, of course, it's not the last moment, but I remember it very, very well. Uh, eating fish and chips on the shore of the sea—that was great. <laughs>
0: Did you enjoy food in Ireland?
5: I enjoyed it very, very much. It was—it was so tasty. It was so fresh, and I ate it with such a great appetite all the time.
0: <laughs> now you—you know—you mentioned about like all the different people and the friendliness. How important should the World Games be for both the GAA and for?
5: Of course, it should be very important for both GA and GE. What are the Olympic Games for us, for sportsmen, for their fans? So World Games are like Olympic Games for us, I'm sure. It's very important to unite people from different countries, passionate for sports, and to celebrate it in a game, struggling till the very end. So, of course, I would say is very very important. Building network and friendships, like when we played with Team Iberia, I'm so grateful for the Team Iberia, for all of these goals. We played against them twice, but then they joined us for the last game. That was perfect. Great.
0: Okay, and uh, of course we're hoping that there'll be the next World Games in two years time. Will you be there?
5: I will be, for sure, 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 yes. I'm starting to train (laughs) already. Okay. Yes, I will.
0: Thank you very much, Anna. You have a great day.
5: Thank you, Alan. See you soon. Bye.
0: Bye Bye-bye. As the final whistle blows on this episode of this Sunday's Game, we'd like to thank Pat Daly and our four other guests for taking part in today's show. Of course, we'll be back next Sunday. So until then, take care of yourselves and each other.